Hi, I'm Shona. And I'm Craig. And this is London by Lockdown, a travel podcast about falling in love with the new city in strange times, remaining curious and open, enjoying everyday discoveries and making it work. Craig, what are you doing? Hang on. Sorry about that. Uh, I was just updating my London friend tally board to two. Nice. Tell us more. Well, this week I had a chat with author and podcaster Mame Blue, who Shamila, my first London friend, put me in touch with. And we both powered through her debut novel, Bad Love, and the lead character grew up in Elbora, Lewisham. So to mix it up, today's show is a 30-minute collaboration between London by Lockdown and Headscarves and Carry-Ons, which is the travel podcast Mame co-hosts with her friend, Abby AK. So by collaboration, you mean you and Mame just having a good old chinwag? That is completely correct. <laughs> Mame's London-born and bred, but she's also got a connection to Nam, Melbourne. So there was a fair bit to talk about. Now it's the end of July, so it's marking four long months in lockdown. I feel like we have hit a landmark. We've exhausted anything good on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. So we've been getting back into reading in a big way. Bad Love's part of a program called 20 in 2020 by London's Jacaranda Books, which is publishing 20 black British writers this year. Well played, Jacaranda Books. And last episode, we also mentioned that lockdown restrictions were being relaxed in England and people have been heading overseas for holidays. Since then, masks are now mandatory inside shops and on public transport. And initially, anyone coming back from Spain didn't have to quarantine and now they have to quarantine. So it's a bit of a moving feast, really. (laughs) Yeah, a moving feast without a menu. (laughs) So we are playing it safe and staying inside. Welcome to episode eight Lockdown to lockdown, from my home to yours. Bad love. Debut novel. (laughs) The book is about love, obviously, but it's also about travel. Mame also does this awesome podcast about travel. Yes. So we're going to kind of mix them all together. My podcast is uh, Headscarves and Carry-Ons. I do that with my friend Abby, and it's uh, about black girls living abroad, basically. She's lived in a few countries. I've lived in Australia, which we'll talk about shortly. That's basically the theme of it. So it's a good crossover. Yeah, London by Lockdown, a travel podcast that doesn't go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Excellent. So in keeping with the time, I think. (laughs) We've both ended up living in the same cities. We never actually met in Mm. in person. No. (laughs) The reason I ended up in uh, Melbourne, many years ago Mm. was that I left the place that I grew up, which is Canberra. And I was just wondering, you've ended up in Nam on the other side of the world. How did that leaving happen or was it an arrival for you? It was a leaving, I would say. I would absolutely agree with that. As you may or may not be able to tell from my accent, I'm a Londoner. (laughs) (laughs) Spent most of my life here in London, where I'm back right now. And up until a few years ago, before I moved to Nama, I couldn't picture myself anywhere else but London. I've been to a lot of places, but I will always return. That's where I saw myself. And then the massive part of leaving came basically from 
well, unfortunately, Brexit. Right. <laughs> you know, I was in a job I didn't like and at a place in my life where I was clearly like something was churning in me that I needed some change. And then it pushed me over the edge, basically. Right. <laughs> because when you live in London and you grow up in London, you are in a bubble. I think it's less so now because of the internet and, you know, access to all kinds of other information about other places. And I think it was a bit of a, a shaking for me that we chose to leave amongst everything it was an awakening for me in terms of how the uk actually feels about immigrants and migrants because of the rhetoric around brexit which if you're not if you weren't in the uk at that time you didn't see any of that you didn't see any of the media that we were getting which was very propagandary and very much just well lies basically instead the rhetoric was around immigration and if you do this then you'll get your jobs back real old school like the foreigners have come to take our jobs rhetoric yeah that unfortunately was what was leading the brexit conversation so the result of that the result that we voted for it suddenly meant oh what i think this country thinks of me or family members or people that i love or people that i know is actually quite negative and i a lot of people were already awakened to that and for me it just knocked me so instead of it being a place I've always wanted to leave, it's a place I always wanted to return to. It was the first time in my life I couldn't see myself staying in London. Wow. Nam came because I had friends who used to live there and spoke very highly of it. And I was I was just like I wanted to move to a different city to see what it's like, just to have a different experience. And, and I need a break from this kind of hamster wheel that I've been on <laughs> for a while in terms of work and yeah so it all kind of rolled into that and then the more I learned about it the more I wanted to go and I had a couple of family members there and then I just got like a working holiday visa thanks to my British passport I got it in the manner of weeks which is quite laughable <laughs> <Think about it. laughs> very funny that's my privilege as well because I have a British passport I can go pretty much anywhere again that may not be true anymore but <laughs> at the time it it was true. Um, and I kind of took that up and I was like, oh, okay, go here for a year. That for me was a big, it was a leaving, definitely. But that must have been really horrible to feel like you didn't belong mm-hmm. in your home. Completely. And it's one of those things was like, well, if I don't belong here, the place that I'm from, where do I belong? That's very much a big thing that comes out of if you've left a place, especially that either felt like home, but you can't be there anymore. Or you just want to change your scenery, you know, which is also yep. part of it. But or just for whatever reason, you've lost that sense of belonging to that place. It's nice that you're able to go and search for it somewhere else if you have that ability, that privilege. It means a lot when you reset your roots somewhere else. That's kind of hard. I mean, I don't know what it was like for you leaving Canberra. Like, was it a place you always wanted to leave? Or was it, or was it again, was that a new thing for you? I moved there to be part of the arts. I moved there to edit a national literary journal. Mm-hmm. And within two weeks, I was calling Nam home. <laughs> right. At the time, I just, I just felt at ease there. Mm-hmm. I left Canberra. I never wanted to go back. I hated the place. I have a niece mm-hmm. who's 12 now, who's based mm-hmm. in Canberra. Well, I go back and mm-hmm. I see it through my niece's eyes yeah. for the last 12 years every time I've gone back mm. and I'm rediscovering it as well and mm. loving yeah. hanging out with her. I have nieces mm. and nephews in Melbourne but they're a little <laughs> bit younger. Just that whole idea of enjoying the place in a time and a space. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I like seeing, hearing about all these cool hip things that I don't even have the desire to do anymore. Um, but I like to see young black women who are like still in London and still like enjoying the kind of up and downness of it all, kind of mad rush and 
I like to see that. I like that. It's invigorating. I'm like, that's exactly what you should take from it. That's what you should get yeah. from the city as much as you can. So you don't want it anymore. Like, that's okay. So when I came back from um, this time, I was leaving a lockdown that it was beginning of the lockdown to come to London, which had also just started the lockdown of the UK. Up until a few months prior to that, I had been anxious about coming back to London. Essentially, I, I moved to Nam in 2017, mm -hmm. and I was there for a year, came back in 2018. I knew after like a month that I wanted to stay, <laughs> or at least for longer than a year. So I came back with the intent to get like a working visa, like a proper resident visa, which took another almost two years yeah, right. to do so i was here so then i came back to london for like about yeah 18 months it probably worked out about 20 months something like that and then coming back the first time i had this just massive reverse culture shock that i hadn't expected i wasn't ready for because i was going back to a place i know yeah just everything through me just the pace just the stress of it i felt and i was so focused on going back to nam that for a while, my brain was just in two places, which is not healthy. <laughs> uh, I would recommend it. Yeah, it, it was a, a shock. So this time around, when I was coming back, I was preparing myself for that. Like I was trying to mentally prepare, okay, you know what London is like, you just, you know, you're gonna have to switch and this is the things that you can do to help you kind of navigate. But then coming back and London is nothing. London is not London right now. Uh -huh. I was all geared up for something that haven't actually, that hasn't happened because I've not really left the house much. <laughs> so if that's how it is for me, somebody coming back, I can only imagine what it's like for you. Maybe you had an idea in your head about what it was going to be and all of these things and arts and, and stuff. And then you've come back and obviously you can't, act yeah, like you said, you can't access yeah. any of it. <laughs> it's not there. You know, I've done some research over the years through telly. Mm. So, you know, yeah. brush, the wombles, <laughs> the goodies. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> the main you know, black books, <laughs> shameless. <laughs> I don't know. So you really got our culture down, I think. That's it's a bit more like Black Mirror, I think. <laughs> Yeah, that is correct. You've just yes. been watching Black Mirror all these years. So that, 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 that's intense, getting that reverse mm. culture shock from the place you grew up. I mean, I'm mm. glad it didn't happen this yeah. time. It, me too, yeah. <laughs> Do you think that maybe coming back this time for something very specific that's centred here, is that what changed for you? Absolutely, yeah. I would say yes, definitely. I think having something that focused it, I was coming back for a real, yeah, kind of reason that meant I needed to be here. Even if most of the things I'm doing are online because everything is online now, I'm still very glad I came back mm. when I did because if I hadn't, I don't know when I would have. I'd still be in Nam yep. with no job <laughs> and no apartment. <laughs> so uh, that wouldn't have been fun or a good no. idea. So <laughs> it was much better that I came back. But also because in that year and a half of being back the first time and having reverse culture shock, there was like six months of that reverse culture shock. I just felt out of sorts and just out of my, it's such a bizarre feeling, like just out of my body. And I don't know how to describe it, but it's very unsettling to be in a place that you know, like the back of your hand and feel like you don't really belong there. It's just, it will mess with your brain. After that six month period, loads of really good things happened. When I came back was when I found out about this book deal and I was meeting really great people and making good friends. And my whole perspective about London and about 
where I lay my hat or where I find my roots and stuff were, it, it was flipped mm-hmm. in actually coming back and it being a difficult time, but also really, really valuable time. So this then second return had a, just a different flavor to it. There was way more reason for me to come back. It made sense. I knew I was coming back to this really lovely community of people that I had met the last time I was back. and. I felt more open to it and I felt more open to whatever was going to happen here. Obviously, this was pre a virus was taking <laughs> over the world. I was very optimistic. And then, in, and then, but the, the journey back, uh, yeah, was uh, one full of anxiety and it was horrible. Mm. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm still glad I came back. And I had loved ones who were here. And yep. so I was just like, I have to go. Oh, like, yep, I can't. The place I was in when I was in Nam, I was always planning to be there for this six month period to kind of, I'm trying to reacclimate myself to what it is to be in Nam in this new perspective as a, I'm a little bit older. And so this was like a kind of test move, mm-hmm. get a lay of the land again, going back to London for a bit and then go back to move properly. That was the plan. Okay. That's basically it. I was always going to just be there for this period and then come back at the end of March. I'm on schedule, but as in the two weeks prior to me actually about to be returned, that's when it all just, everything just, <laughs> yeah. just blew up. Suddenly it was like, it's a dangerous place to go back to. And yeah. There's lockdown everywhere and get out now or leave it all. <laughs> like it was so... <laughs> It's so like, I mean, it was like, what was it? She said everything, and like we, and every British national was getting, you know, we we got a call out from, you know, the UK government to say, if you're a British national, you must come home now, or not at all. But also, it, they told us that about a week after half of the exits from Australia oh. had been closed to us, like, <laughs> because what they, they, what they were doing was they weren't letting anyone transit through certain countries, through certain airports even. Obviously you're not going, leaving the airport, nothing, but you couldn't even step into Singapore. Like yeah, right. if you weren't a national, you could, you weren't allowed to come in. Uh, it was just, that's it, just blanket rule. And they made that rule about 24 hours before they closed the border. So there was no way to, even if you were at the airport at that time, <laughs> it would have been really hard for you to get to Singapore in time for you to get out again. It was just, it was a mess, but it felt so urgent. And so that was the anxiety. It wasn't just the, oh God, there's a virus and everyone is anxious. But then plus I now have to get home on a 24 hour flight with all these people. And I hope most of them are wearing masks. Most of them were, but not everybody, which just baffled me, still baffles me now, but I'm not an anxious flyer at all. So it was just a whole whole new experience. Yeah, I really right. on anyone. <laughs> Um, to be honest i am an anxious flyer <laughs> so, so, right so i'm oh, no. there with you're telling that story and i'm there with you because every time i get on a plane oh. i don't sleep particularly well oh. i like i'm just yeah i'm very bad at flying i really feel for you i'm so sorry <laughs> obviously i'm gonna have to do it again but i never want to do it again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't think about it. Just don't think about it for the last second. That's it. That's the that's that's how I uh, that's how I break those things. <laughs> I just wanted to come back to the 18-month period when you were here before and having a quite a good experience. Did at any point you think that you didn't want to leave again? Yeah, I did have points, but I'm also quite stubborn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if I have a plan in my head, I have to follow it through. I think also it was just I had been I had been thinking about going back for like almost two years. Like that's all I had in my head. Yeah was going back and I because I, I also had such an amazing time in Nam. Mm. And again, a very different not 
it was like three years ago. So I was, yeah, I was in a different place in my life, but I was also like, you know, I needed a change and a reset. And so I was just very, it was very freeing and, you know, I did my best life, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I had a great time and I think, and I knew that it wasn't, but I didn't have expectations. I was like, it's going to be exactly like that. Like I was, I was trying to be realistic about it. I just knew there were things about it, mostly, to be fair, which I guess I, I should have mentioned before, which was that that's where I finished my novel, which is now published. And it's strange because there is a lot of travel in my book, but a big chunk of it mostly is set in London. Yep. And that's, yeah, it's my home. I still love it. And, but to write about it properly, I felt somehow like I had to leave. Yeah. Like I had to be outside of it to get a better perspective on this place that I know very well. And actually I found that when I was in Nam. Yeah. My brain, like creatively, I felt very free mm -hmm. and I felt very fed as well. Yeah. Like, um, and cause there's, yeah, you know, like you said, for the same reasons that you went, just like the access to the arts, there's so, it's so much easier access to it there. And maybe it's just cause there's less people. It's more reasonably priced. I don't know, but you know, and like the theater and galleries and just the street art and just like, even the, in the food and the, the bars, you know, everything is very, it's very artsy. It's very aesthetically pleasing. It's got a lot of individuality about it. And that just seemed to really, I flourished under yeah. that. My creativity did. I finished my book in a way and I didn't expect it to. I didn't expect that to happen there, but actually stepping away from it made so much sense to yep. me once I was there. In coming back, you know, I had this new place with this manuscript and I was going to self-publish it. I mean, I was like, oh, yep. <laughs> I've been writing this for however long. I'm ready to just do it myself. I just want people to read it. And then this publishing deal came along. But within that year, like I had such a good time and I got to write lots of really good things. Everyone was like, are you sure you want to leave? Like things are really happening. <laughs> it's great, you're having a great time. Why are you leaving? And I was like, I just, I have to do this because if I don't do it now, I, I'll always wonder what would have happened if I'd just gone back to see what it was like this time around in this new place in my life. Yeah. I'm really glad I went, despite how it ended, <laughs> unfortunately. I'm still really glad that I went and I am very likely going to go back to Australia whether it will be Nam or not, don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We ended up living in Timor Leste or East Timor mm. for three years. And as you spoke about, like that idea of mm. stepping away, I learned so much about Australia in those three years, looking at it from a distance, learning from our friends and colleagues in Timor about so many different aspects of resistance and building community, building their country yeah. after so much time, and then reflecting on my home country, so to speak. So I finished, mm. it's still unpublished, but I finished my first novel while living in Timor-Leste. Right. Oh, wow. It's mm -hmm. slightly different to yours. I mean, it's not about love. It's completely <laughs> different. But in that sense, also like being completely out of place, just mm. fed into the fact that my characters are completely out of place oh, in the world that yeah. I've created I love that. in that novel. So yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of this beautiful synchronicity there. 
The other thing that I need to ask you, this is a NAM <laughs> thing, like I have to ask you this. So when I first moved there, there was yeah. a north and there's a south side of NAM. <laughs> and I got there and people would ask me, are you a northerner? Are you a southerner? And I'm like, no, I'm going to be both. I'm here. I've just come from Canberra. I'm gonna... Yeah. I ended up living on the in north Buffalo. and I think I went to the south, southern bit like of course you did. five times in 10 years. Where were you located? <laughs> when I first went that first year, I was in the north. I was in Brunswick. I loved yep. it. It was that's where my people uh-huh. are. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I was very much north, artsy, all of that, everything. Tick all the boxes. That was where I was. And I had uh, a couple of friends who lived in the south, but you know, we aside from that, we didn't really roll in the same circles. So that's, you know, it wasn't different. It's a different way of life. And I loved it. And so when I went back the second time, that's obviously where I wanted to go, like a way I wanted to be, but I when I first went, I was, you know, I was in a share house with just one other person, mm. but I wanted, I've come back this time and I wanted to get my own place, but I just couldn't find anything in Brunswick in the time that I had. And then the things that kept coming up were in the South. Yep. And I was like, you know what? This is a fact finding trip. I'm supposed, you know, I'm supposed to be being like, where am I going to, I'm an explorer. <laughs> I'm tied to one place. So I, I ended up moving to the South, finding a place in the South. It was very posh, I think perhaps too posh for me uh i'm not i'm like i'm not sure i fit in here and i made it work uh, it was you know it's really nice but it's just it just has a different vibe so, uh, and not me at all but again it was close to everything it was close to everything so that was a positive it speaks to that other one to that north and south divide what the makeup is of the north and what the makeup is of the south yeah. Like most places, the divide is money. <laughs> I mean, it just is like, and not in a real, not in a massive, massive way like it is here in London, where you can literally walk down one street and have million pound houses, and then go around the corner and have hostels and you know soup kitchens and, right. and lots of like real big homeless problems. Yeah, right. Like it's it's ridiculous. The disparities here are massive. As an example, so Kensington and Chelsea, where the Queen lives. Oh, okay. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah, that borough. Yeah one of the wealthiest boroughs in the whole of England, yeah. of course. <laughs> but the disparity between the people that live in that borough, who live in the north and live in the south, the south is the wealthier side, uh-huh. the disparity between life expectancy is something like stupid like 10 years. Wow. For the same borough, run by the same council, yep. but the people that live in the north have way, way, way less money. And most of them, you know, people of colour. But that's such a big disparity. Whereas in Melbourne, I think... It's such a new place. Like, it's not that big because there just isn't... It hasn't been around long enough for it to be that mm. big. But that doesn't not to say the gap isn't widening. Mm. I mean, what made you what made you leave Timor? Was it just... Was it always supposed to be temporary? So, my partner Shona got a job over there working with a local organisation called Lao Hamatuk. Mm. That means walking mm-hmm. together. That mm. organisation was a watchdog and looked at corruption Hmm. i moved to timor for love right (laughs) the changes that we saw in those three years that we were there the un everybody else all the aid agencies came in and said this is how you develop for want of a better way to describe it it was Mm. a neoliberal form of development and i couldn't handle the changes anymore we rode push bikes around Mm -hmm. dili the capital there i was riding along and this little kid came out of a house on the side of the road and just mm. put his hand out to beg for money. Okay. And when we got there, there weren't many beggars. And within three years, there were lots of beggars. Right. The house he came out of was actually a really nice house. Mm. So there had been this perception that Timorese people mm. were poor 
and I could see that those ideas were starting to infiltrate Timorese people. On one level, yeah, they may not have had a huge amount of money compared to other types of mm. economies, but they were being forced into this way of developing. So this right. kid came out and just put his hand out to beg from me, and I swore at him oh. and kept writing. Wow. Like, I told him to F off, and I'm like, oh, no, that's that's mm. not me and I was just so angry at the way people had forced this mm. country down a particular road. Yeah. I got broken down. Yeah, like knowing that it has something has had this horribly has caused this horribly implicit bias or weird reaction on a subconscious reaction in mm. something bad is happening internally because of what's happening outside and actually this isn't I don't want to contribute to yeah. this. Which makes a lot of sense, but that's a really hard decision to yeah. On one level, you're right. It was a hard decision to make, but on another level, it was really simple because I didn't want to be one of those people because yeah. I love the place. The other side of it was that because it was the tropics and I'd only ever lived in cold places before, I never wanted to be cold again. <laughs> so here right. I am in London. <laughs> of course. And here you are. <laughs> so instead of going back to Nam, we went back to Minjin. We went to Brisbane. Okay. That was the halfway point. Right. So, okay. So the fact that you've come now to London and how long have you been here? I arrived on the 23rd of February. Ah, just before the fun started. And then on the 23rd of <laughs> March, I think they announced Ooh. that lockdown was going to start on yeah. the 24th. So, yeah. and we moved house on the 24th. Wow. No idea. Well, yeah, no. As you explained, everything was urgent. Wow. We've talked a little bit about your book, Bad Love, mm. that is awesome, by the way. <laughs> loved you. it there were two characters who were side characters the thing was i felt myself cheering when they got together when i read that i went yes you know i'm a bit of a romantic at heart and i just thought that's some really great writing given that Aww. they're such well-rounded characters even though they're side characters that i'm actually mm. cheering for these people <laughs> as if they were my friends you know i felt that was actually really beautiful about your book everybody uh, in the book i knew them i know them if i met them i could be friends with them you know that type of thing <laughs> that's nice oh that's a really lovely compliment <laughs> thank you <laughs> i'm glad i do say it's kind of my my love letter mm. to london it wasn't you know i didn't start writing and thinking that but it, it did become that just because it is for me it's all the things about london that makes it quite a unique place it, it has its own universe in itself so I'm really glad. I'm really glad that that, that came mm. through. I haven't told, I don't, I guess I haven't told people what the book is about, which is really bad uh, advertising. Uh, <laughs> but it's, I'm so bad at this still. It's a story about a young woman, a queer, she falls in love for the first time and it doesn't meet any of her very rigid expectations, of course. Mm. And it's kind of about how her journey through that and into other relationships and the relationship that she has slash perceives between her parents and it kind of tells a story of like how different types of love shape our identity essentially so which is why it's not a strict romance like it doesn't follow the strict formula of romance and again i i'm not gonna i can't say that i sat down and thought i'm gonna write <laughs> romance because that's that's not it i am fascinated by relationships and just all all facets of them relate romantic family friends whatever 
and just how they have an impact on who we become mm. later in life. So that's essentially what it what it kind of is about without giving away any of the detail. <laughs> oh yeah, you've done much better at not giving away any of the details. <laughs> that's a great yeah. explanation of what it is because it's called Bad Love because I just needed to get the name of it. <laughs> Thank you. And then we've talked about our relationships to these cities. Mm. Yeah. Just in terms of love, the broader scope mm. of what that might mean and also relationships do we need to have bad love bad relationships to have good one that might be with people but that might also be with cities or our hometowns or that idea of leaving and looking back yeah i don't know if i can categorically say we need to have bad yeah, love. Fair enough. when i say bad love i don't mean bad relationships because it's different when i'm saying bad love i mean you could have a bad experience with love but that doesn't mean you're in a terrible relationship yep. you know and vice versa like i think it's the way that I've written in the book, or the way that I was thinking about it in, around the book is, you're in your, you're young and you're in your early 20s or, you know, just early adulthood. There are things that you don't know until you go through them, right? Just like everything. The idea is that hopefully you learn from this thing that felt bad, but also good. You know, when you fall in love mm. the first time, it's very horrible, but great, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> painful, but, you know, it's all of the things and how you handle that just comes with time and age how you know how well you the things you value or the things that you think okay well next time i'm not going to look for this in a person yeah. or next time i'm going to be better at doing this the point is that hopefully that you learn and i think in terms of your relationship with the place i think it can be the same way like i love london but that didn't mean but my whole time here was not good oh. <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination for me personally yeah i've had to experience what is a quote-unquote bad love experience to know what's really really good because i also there's that other element which a lot of people don't have if you're if you're lucky and you've had only like pretty good experiences in relationships or with places then that's great and maybe there aren't any new lessons you need to learn but you don't know what you don't know yep. and sometimes what someone else thinks is good they don't know how much better it could be you know yep. same can be said for how you feel about places when I left London, I felt very much like, oh, this isn't it. <laughs> like, this is no longer a place. I'm still back here. I still love it. I love it in a time and a place, but I don't necessarily love it for my future. Coming here, this sounds a bit random, but I put together a playlist of songs, like my, mm. my coming to London playlist. I love it. There are particular songs in there that mm. are there to specifically remind me that I'm coming to the belly of the beast. Mm. This is where some 200 years ago, shit yeah. started. Yes. So I have this connection mm-hmm. to, and again, this is, this is kind of kind of Canberra as well. Mm. Canberra's none of all country. Right. So I have that on my emails and stuff. I said, mm-hmm. um, I have, as a non-Indigenous person, I was born on none of all country. And it's taken yeah. me a while and talking to different people about how to figure out how to actually say that in a respectful way in terms of like Australia as a country. Mm. But then when you actually start talking about country as the thing that we are from, yeah. it's like, well, I've got a really complex relationship with that. And I, I'm really drawn to that river and the bush. Mm. So the Murrumbidgee River that runs near Canberra, I'm really drawn to that place. Mm. And as I've got older, as I've become less stupid, as my <laughs> brain has evolved, as you were saying, I've actually come to really, really love and cherish that place. Right. I feel like I belong there and the more mm-hmm. I engage with the culture and mm. the law and the law of the land and this thing that has been given a colonial name called the dreaming, what you yeah. know, that's kind of 
the more I engage with that sort of stuff, the more I actually understand, like, I kind of have a place, but this mm. it's a very specific place. Yeah. But I can't run around claiming that connection above and beyond other people. Exactly. And, the indigenous yeah. people. and so from that perspective, my place on that continent is incredibly complex. Yeah. Which is okay because yeah. I got no idea. I got nothing. And that other people yeah. know more than me. In this scenario, obviously, in this, the context you're talking about, talking about obviously indigenous, you know, indigenous peoples, that is a, it's a different thing, exactly. So it's without, it doesn't take anything away from you. It doesn't take anything away from your belonging. Oh, I quite enjoyed that. That's it for Lockdown to Lockdown, from my home to yours. A huge thanks to Mame. Check out her book. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you're staying safe and finding ways to be kind to yourself. If you want to get in touch, we'd love it if you could subscribe or share about the show. You can find us on Facebook at Craig's Audio Works, on Instagram and Twitter at LDN by Lockdown. And check out Craig's website at craiggarrett.online. So join us for our next adventure. As always, thanks to Unregistered Master Builder, Marcus Bueller and Kester for all the music and interludes in this show. And thanks to the BBC Archives for the sound effects. We've got all the links you need in the show notes for headscarves and carry-ons, jacaranda books and Mummy Blue's blog at Mummy Blue Writes. And this week I've written a review of Bad Love. It's a great book, so grab it if you can. Take care from London by lockdown.